Hello, this is Cole Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth. I will be speaking about the hummingbird moths. This is Sydney, and I will be speaking on how to build up your resume. This is Randy, and August is Happiness Happens Month, so we're going to share and talk about happiness relative to holidays. That's fun. Very holiday yeah. season related. So our holiday happenings this week, as we, you know, everyone knows, you get into mid-ish, late-ish July, and you start immediately thinking about fall. Yep. Right? It is officially Halloween season now. <laughs> That's right. I know Food and Wine Festival has opened at Disney at, Disney, at Epcot. Yep. So that is going full on as well, and it's been blazing hot down there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Despite what I would like, it is still July now, so I... I don't consider that Halloween season. I I have the restraints to wait until August. <laughs> wow, that's very big. Of yeah, which yeah. I believe when this comes out, it should be yes Halloween season. Oh yes, so technically based on that definition. Based on that <laughs> definition. Yeah. Now Cracker Barrel has not waited to August. It is um, yeah, the week true. of and July twentieth or so, and they are full on fall decor, both Halloween and fall. Yep. Yeah, maybe we should all follow their example. I've thought about how early I could take our summer stuff down, but probably it not just, until yeah. Labor Day. Yeah, that's fair. And it's funny because all of the holiday stuff is like starting up earlier and earlier now and coming down later and later to the point where it can like be the holiday and you can't find things for the holiday yes. in stores. Yes. My theory is that it's just going to eventually get so early that it like equalizes. It right. just goes around <laughs> like a circle. Yeah. It's like lap, you can buy, lapping yourself. Right. It's like lapping yourself. So you can eventually, uh, we'll be able to buy Halloween stuff at Halloween time. Yeah. For a short span of a few years. Yeah, but then the next year it goes But then the next year it goes earlier and earlier, and eventually we'll be in a situation, yeah, again, where I'm buying Christmas things on October 30th. (laughs) Well, you know, people must be buying stuff um, because they're putting it out. Yeah, it's nuts. It is. And speaking of doing things earlier and earlier, Starbucks is starting their pumpkin spice latte PSL season earlier. PSL, what does that PSA. It's pumpkin spice latte. It is, which is crazy popular, and people count down till the days. They are doing it this year, the earliest they've ever been, which is August 24th. But of course, Dunkin' Donuts (laughs) always has to have a counter date. Mm -hmm. And they always try to get a little bit ahead of the Starbucks date. I'm guessing to at least get that little first bit of customers, perhaps. Yeah. That, that really yeah. excited influx. That's right. 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 The people who are waiting for the pumpkin spice latte. Right. But, you know. They have to wait another week. Right. That's exactly. Right. So it's like getting a little bit of their fix in while they wait for the real thing. Right. And so Dunkin' Donuts is rolling out their pumpkin spice everything on August 19th. So there you have it. Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin spice season starts on August 19th. Starbucks pumpkin spice season starts on August 24th. Me and mom are super excited. Not only do I love um, the PSL, but we also love getting iced chai tea lattes with pumpkin cream cold foam at the top. And you drink through the pumpkin cream cold foam. Oh my goodness. The best thing ever. Highly suggest it. I think it's on like a secret menu. It's amazing. Yeah. Now I'll say this. I think it's obvious to most people. Obviously, everybody's taste is a little different, but... 
Uh, in terms of drinks, I think most people would say the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks is better than the pumpkin drinks at Dunkin'. It depends. It, it like, depends, I do remember... but, but I do think it's more popular. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. yeah. I think um, so. It's well known. But the big thing that Dunkin' has is the pumpkin spice yes. donuts. And the apple which cider are donuts. so good. And the yes. apple cider donuts. So that happens for Dunkin' Donuts, which is great because Beth and I will be driving up to Maine mm. on the 20th, uh-huh. driving right through Dunkin' Donut country. We all know yes. on Dunkin'. The Northeast, they yes. are famous for their Dunkin' Donut stops. Yes. Boom, 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 the whole way up. Yeah. That's so we right. will be going up to Maine with some friends. And one of our listeners of the podcast, Carrie, has given me a bunch of information because her family lives up in Booth Bay about restaurants and ice cream places, as well as some things to do up there. In fact, she sent some pictures of a botanical garden from up there that's got these trolls, these, these huge trolls that they cut out of, looks like oh, they they're cut like carved, out of, right? Yeah, they're cut out of wood. It'll be interesting to see them in person. She, yeah. she took some pictures, but they're ginormous, large. Uh, she took pictures of a lobster roll for me, of her pup eating some pup ice cream. <laughs> Uh, but lots of great information, so we're really looking forward to going up there. We'll probably go to both the Booth Bay area and the Bar Harbor area and places in between. So it'll be a lot of fun for us in August to get to somewhere that definitely should be cooler than Northern Virginia. We're yeah. hoping. I'm yeah. not sure why you would want to go to somewhere cooler. Because we love cooler We right now. love but, cooler. Um, yeah, and it's funny because we didn't coordinate this, but I'm actually also going to Maine in August. But that's because my girlfriend's cousin has a wedding. So, but we're going to the the Bangor area, further northwest. I want to say about an hour and a half too. Um, we're not going down to Bar Harbor. That's about an hour and ten minutes or so south of Bangor. Yeah, when we went as a family up to Maine, I don't remember what year that was, but we um, we stayed in Bangor. Yeah. yeah. Which is where you'll be, which is just funny. It made me it made me think of that. Remember Fred's pastry shop? In Cole's Bangor? Museum? Yes. Yeah. C O L E. Yeah. Yep, we went in there and got a picture of Cole with all kinds of different things. With all, all kinds of, of things that say Cole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so to give you context, there was a museum called Cole's Museum. It was a last name. Their last yeah, name it was, was Cole. A, it was a last name. Um, which I think is more common for me to see Cole places as, as a last name. But the name was everywhere, and it's just rare to see my name yes. on things. Yep. So I know there was a big like floor mosaic that said coal on yeah. it. So oh, yeah. We stuck you all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah, you stuck me all over the place. <laughs> um, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so we'll probably, we'll go up there, and we're not too worried about staying in particularly nice places, my girlfriend and I, so we were thinking of getting a cheaper motel. Were you, had you found any clown motels up there? I haven't found any clown oh, motels that's too bad. up there. Um, is it? There's only really one clown motel. <laughs> <laughs> see, yeah, see, the problem Worthy is that the one. clown motel is in Arizona. Yes. So if we go up there and we see a clown motel, it's not intentionally a clown motel, and that's worse. <laughs> that's scarier. And that's much, that's much scarier. Yeah. The fact the that it's a normal motel, not supposed to be a clown motel. Yeah. And clowns are everywhere. Yes, and it's right across the road from a graveyard. Oh, okay, so we're adding more flavor into yes. into the story here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is funny because um, Keely was talking to her uh, her folks about this, 
And they were like, why would you stay in a cheap motel? Um, and she was saying, oh, well, you know, we want to save money. And also Cole is a big fan of uh, horror. So the cheap motels <laughs> kind of have a, like a fun draw for him. Which is what every mother wants to hear. Yeah. 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 Uh, which is true. I do like motels. They have a certain novelty to me. And smell. Um, <laughs> right. It's the smell of fear. <laughs> That's right. That's it right. is. It's, it's sunk into the walls That's of, right. of That's the right. place. But, no, I mean, it's it's a um, financially, um, what would you call that, frugal. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah it is. I guess. Financially like, responsible. Right. It's a financially responsible um, creepy interest. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. That's right. It fits both. <laughs> exactly. Yep. The other great thing is that the Olympics were able to start this past Friday as of this recording. Mm-hmm. So Beth, Sydney, and I last night watched the opening ceremony. Which, and Noel. And Noel, which is in Tokyo this year. And the ceremony, um, you know, there weren't any fans in the seats. There was limited audience. There were some dignitaries. And, of course, the athletes themselves mm-hmm. were eventually brought in but it was a very parents allowed in no because remember we saw some of the parents video on video i know that uh, but i I didn't know if i saw them yeah i don't think i don't think so because they originally wanted ten thousand, but then they because of the pandemic and the state of emergency they changed that dignitaries were there like the emperor was there that's right dr jill biden the first lady was there so that was very fun to watch a very interesting stadium a lot of great pyrotechnics capabilities and lights yeah there was a lot of, uh, say, interpretive, choreographed dance. Yeah, that at the beginning. It, right, mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yeah, and apparently, like, um, they said, and thankfully they, they had, like, um, there were a few narrators for American audiences that well, wouldn't for other know, audiences. And other audiences as well, who maybe didn't have the same insight into the interpretive dances that maybe as... Yeah, and what was going on. Yeah, what, like, the story was. Because in previous years, there have been very, uh, like, artistic opening ceremonies. Mm -hmm. um, But some have been easier to, like, you mentioned the the one, I think it was Sochi, Mm -hmm. which kind of had floats and everything and showed different, like, developing Russia. But it was pretty... Pretty easy to follow as far as like okay we're going from one thing to yeah. another well see i think i expected like a big showstopper mm-hmm. like at the beginning but it was really at the end they had all these drones hovering above the stadium and it was huge it was a it's big a sphere, sphere. Mm-hmm. yeah and then it turned into and then they they moved and and then it it was a big sphere that looked like the globe Yep. Mm, much like the earth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, Dad, you saw, you said that um, you saw like a, a preview of how they did that. Yeah. And um, the drones weren't very big. They're only like maybe 12 inches across. They weren't large drones, but they were mm-hmm. in the sky. They were so bright. Oh, my goodness. And they weren't, they were two colors. They're either white or blue, basically. So they were a little simpler than some of the other ones we've seen where they can change into a bunch of different colors, but then mm-hmm. the drones had to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, so this was just fantastic. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. It started out as a globe, but kind of in a Sochi-style Olympic uh, logo shape kind of look to it. Mm-hmm. If you've seen that, it's kind of like this geo- geometric circle thing. Um, and then it switched to the globe. So it was very fun. It was. Yeah. I forget how many drones they said were up there, but it was like a it was, huge It was drone. over a thousand, yeah. 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 And then another thing, too, was that this firework, um, Dad mentioned that that would be really cool. 
to see. Yeah. yeah. yeah like if you were like sitting in the rapid stadium. Fire. Yeah, they had wow, fireworks, fireworks off the top of the stadium that you could see in the stadium and outside right. mm-hmm. that were um, they were the whole way around and they were timed and they had they were lit and they were really fast mm-hmm. and that was the kind of the cool thing about it was the speed yeah. that they could go so yeah it was pretty cool yeah, so if I cool for Disney. if I've seen any action movie I know that some supervillain tried to take over those drones oh, 100%. some yeah. <laughs> yeah and an intrepid group of misfits probably stopped him over the course of the. Yeah. We'll see that in a few years, that movie. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the documentary. The true story. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, Very accurate, probably starring like Matt Damon or Tom Cruise or something like that. So I've been focused on bees for the last two to three podcasts. And it made me think of these big bees that we had in our backyard. They were huge, and they made that humming, buzzing kind of sound. And Randy went to see what kind they were, and it turns out they were not bees. They were moths, which was fascinating. Technically, they were a type of hummingbird moth. So hummingbird moth encompasses a number of different moths, one of which is the bumblebee moth. Do you guys remember seeing those? I do not. No. We had huge, like, ground hornets. I remember seeing those. Yes. (laughs) It was very apparent. So anything really big like that, that looked like a hornet or bee, was scary because we had those really big ground hornets that were... I think I remember the ground hornets more. Yeah. Because... They would chase us. They were so aggressive. They were so mean. Oh my goodness. And they would bury... They would burrow beneath the uh, standing pool that we had for a little yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. when we first started to get flowers here, so it took a couple of years before we had anything flowering, I noticed them kind of floating around, but they didn't look like a bee or a bumblebee um, or one of the big bees from a, from their um, the way they moved. And I thought, oh, they, they look like a bee from their shape and color. And the sound. And, and the sound, but they're not moving like a bee. So that's when you know, I got closer, hoping they weren't the ground hornet things that were very aggressive. But maybe it was just evolving. <laughs> it, it was a, a risky move getting close, getting closer. Yes. There was some cost-benefit analysis. There. And I realized that they looked a lot different. So then I started to, to search. And that was probably the first few years we were here. So it's been a while. Yeah, a long time ago. And since then, we've really enjoyed watching them. So hummingbird moths, bumblebee moths, have barrel-shaped bodies, like a bumblebee. They have long wings and long proboscises. <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> I have looked this up. I have listened to this pronunciation so many times because I'll say, I'll think to myself, proboscises. That does not sound like anything. Isn't it pro- proboscis? Proboscises is what they proboscis. call it. Uh, that, must be the, that must be the plural. Because yeah. I've only ever heard proboscis. As like, like with the SC in there. Proboscis? Yeah. So that that is the mouth part that is used to drink the nectar. Oh, okay. So that's a specific oh okay. Yes. I see. Yes. And they have that. Bees actually don't have that. So Because I know butterflies have that. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Unlike most moths, hummingbird moths are usually active during the day when they can be seen darting from flower to flower, searching for nectar. And 
I have a picture of one. Yep. That Doesn't that look like a great big bumblebee? I it would does. avoid. Yeah. Except with very pretty wings. It does. Yeah, it has clear wings. So in and there, it's got. It's interesting because unlike a bee, I guess it's kind of like slim going up to a middle section and then kind of slim going back down. Yeah. It kind is kind of like um, a bee that's just like really jacked in the shoulders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a muscle bee. Yeah. It's like a boxer bee. That's right. Plus, a cut-off shirt kind of emphasizes its muscles. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in their appearance, flying style, and nectar-gathering behavior, they're often mistaken for hummingbirds, hence the name hummingbird moth. Some hummingbird moths of the genus Hemaris are also known as clear-wing moths because of their transparent wings. Although the wings of the clear-winged moths are initially covered in scales like those of other moths, after the first few flights, the scales fall off, and that leaves the wing panels transparent. So they have scales. Are you sure they're not dragons? No. Okay. You can go check next time. If you say so. There are also hummingbird moths that don't have clear wings. So I'm just talking about this, a specific kind of hummingbird moth. In North America, there are five... Hummingbird moth species. Oh, can I guess one? Sure. Bumblebee moth. It is. It's also called, it's commonly called the snowberry clearwing moth. Ooh, fun. Interesting. Snowberry. <laughs> gotcha. Because interesting. Oh, I, I wasn't going for that, but props to myself for the unintentional pun. <laughs> That's right. So. I assume they don't sting. They don't. They're moths. They're moths. So, yeah. Yeah, they don't have any stingers. So, of the 23 species in the genus Hemaris, four are found in North America. The hummingbird clearwing, mm -hmm. the snowberry clearwing, which mm -hmm. is also the bumblebee moth. Checks out. The slender clearwing and the rocky mountain clearwing, neither of which I'm going to talk about. Oh. Then one, the white-lined sphinx moth, a hummingbird moth of the genus Hyles, is also found in North America. I got so that's you. five different species of hummingbird moths. Makes sense. It doesn't. <laughs> yep. I'm glad it makes I, sense to you. I assume the, the sphinx moth is less common because it guards the entrance to crossroads and you have to answer its riddle. That's right. You have to continue. answer a riddle. That's right. Or the oh, other I moths are... It will... It's a moth. It'll fly around lights that you're carrying. That's right. If you don't answer you. its riddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a minor annoyance. <laughs> In appearance, hummingbird moths have thick bumblebee-like bodies and long wings. The end of the abdomen is pointed, kind of like a bee's abdomen is, except it has a tail-like tuft or little fan of short, stiff bristles, which are kind of cute. So they could poke you, but not sting you. If they <laughs> With their little bristled bristle butt. <laughs> I mean, in general, <laughs> I think of bumblebees as being pretty cute because they're kind of these chalky little... They are. Yeah. They are. Do you think they're cute, Sid? Do you think they're cute, Although, no, actually, bumblebees are... Because they're the like... The images are yeah. cute, but the bumblebees themselves I'm not fond of. So what I'm saying is, like, um, in popular culture, like kind of the like image how... of a bumblebee or a drawing... Yeah, or... kind of like how sure. you can look at a tiger and be like, that's cute, yes. but you don't want to be in the proximity of it. Correct. Or in the cage next to it. That's true. So it would be, you would not be a fan of being in a bumblebee cage. Correct. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't know. I don't think many people would. 
So the hummingbird moths have a pair of long club-like antenna. They, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> speaking of cages. They don't, they, don't, they don't have a stinger, but they will club you. <laughs> with their their antenna. Yep. <laughs> they actually have little things on the ends of their antenna. <laughs> that, I guess Shaped like boxing gloves? They're not. They're a little bit thicker, but they're not like clubs, clubs. The proboscis is around twice the length of the body of the moth. It is kept tightly coiled when not in use. The hummingbird moths occur in a wide variety of habitats, but are most commonly found in meadows, cultivated gardens, and suburban areas. Unlike most moths, hummingbird moths tend to be the most active, as I said, either during the daylight hours or around dusk. June and August are their peak months for activity. I don't know where July happened in there. I would have guessed June through August, but according to this, it's June and August. Really? <laughs> I know. I'm wondering if that's through uh, August. Maybe they take vac- long vacations. That's true. That's true. Some hummingbird moth species, including the hummingbird clearwing, are migratory. Hummingbird moths are agile flyers. They're able to hover in the air in one spot as well as fly backwards and sideways. Their rapid wing movements make a humming sound much like that made by hummingbirds, which is part of why they got their name. They feed on nectar, often seeking out the same long neck flowers as hummingbirds. They're particularly attracted to plants in the honeysuckle family, including viburnum and snowberry. And this is where I'm gonna kind of link in the bumblebee moths are called snowberry clear wings. Due to the fact that the caterpillar eats the snowberry. Oh, interesting. Oh. Whenever it. I didn't think about the fact that they would be caterpillars. Do you have pictures of when they were a caterpillar? Yes. Cool. Oh, okay. Are yes. You, do you care to share? I will then. Oh. Just hang tight. Okay. They also feed on the nectar of flowers such as horseman, bee balm, phlox, verbena, salvia, and the butterfly bush. Now, I yeah. feel like it's a missed opportunity to not call it the bee balm bumble. I know, right? It's the bomb. (laughs) So the hummingbird clearwing is a species of the hummingbird moth found in the United States and Canada. It's found in Alaska, across Canada, and throughout the eastern United States to Texas and Florida. This species typically has an olive green head and thorax, burgundy abdomen and undersides, although the colors can vary between individuals. The wings have clear central panels and they're brown or burgundy or olive green edges. And the wingspan is one and a half to a little over two inches. Feet up. So you have said, Randy, that you have seen those. Oh, absolutely. I see them yeah, all the time. The hummingbird clear wings. I could go out right now and show them to you. Then the snowberry clear wing, which is also the bumblebee moth, is named after the snowberry plants on which the caterpillar feeds. It also is known as the bumblebee moth because it looks like a bumblebee. Its thorax is typically gold and the abdomen is black with one or two yellow gold stripes around it near the end. So it looks like a great big bumblebee. And it is sometimes mistaken for a bumblebee. And I do remember seeing a lot of these out there. We have a lot of these around our butterfly bushes, actually. Yeah, you can just go right on our back porch and look for them. Yeah. So the species is most abundant in the eastern United States and the southeast of Canada, although it's been seen in California and Alberta, Canada also. Now, I've grown up from Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, Texas, Virginia, into adulthood. 
Before I moved here, I had never ever seen these things. I know. Ever. Yeah. Right. Ever. We had to yeah. look it up to see what they were. Like, yeah. That's a lot of life of not seeing something that's very common. Right. Well, yeah. in most of that area. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. But they're really cool. So when you're outside, if you see what looks like a larger than normal bumblebee, but they have that humming sound mm -hmm. and they're flying where they, like I said, they can hover, they can go sideways. Yeah. Really cool flying. Yeah, they move differently than a bumblebee. Yes. So that, Which is what can catch your eye sometimes. Is, oh, it looks like a bee, but it's kind of moving a little more like a... Like a hummingbird. They're, right. They're flitting kind of up and down motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, take a look and see. And it's funny because I don't know if I have seen them, but thought they were hornets. Right. Oh, yeah. So yeah. just avoided them entirely. Could be. Right. I yeah. have many traumatic childhood memories of running from now the, hornets. They, Probably the moths. <laughs> yeah. They're very fuzzy. So that's another thing. That yes. Makes it look the, like a bumblebee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So speaking of bees, that reminds me of summer. And with summer is a great time to start thinking about how to build your resume. Is it? It is. So especially for high school and college students. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Yes. Here are some little tips on how to build up your resume. Now, I won't be going over the actual, like, um, specific on breaking down a resume and what font you should use and what margins to use. These are instead things that you can do that will look good on a resume to a potential employer, employer. whether that's for like your career job or right. maybe for something more temporary. That's right, or for a college, if you're yeah. trying to get into a college as well. One is to take an industry specific courses. This is with student projects, case studies, or service learning, to be specific. Get involved on campus with student organizations, clubs, and activities. Game workplace experience through internships, practicum, or field placement. Join a professional organization, especially one that relates to whatever field you want to get into. Like looking back on my college years, I wish I had gotten involved in a HR organization. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I didn't at the time. But that would have been good. That, that would be, nice. that's an example of what you could have done. Right. Study abroad and, and or international service learning trips. Mm. Those are always good. Yeah. So I know Cole went to um, study abroad for a semester and I'm sure did, that looked yeah. very good on the resume. I couldn't say whether or not it did, but it was at the very least because it wasn't directly related to uh, the jobs that I was applying for, but it was at the very least an interesting talking point in most interviews because mm -hmm. I know a lot of students will go to study abroad in like Spain or France or Britain. I went to study abroad in Russia. So that was, I guess, different enough that it was usually brought up in interviews as a kind mm -hmm. of an interesting way to talk, at least because they want to know a little bit about you, the person, too. So yeah, absolutely. having an experience like that can... Definitely, even if it's not directly related to your field, help you on your resume. Right, definitely. Another one is to take on a volunteer position. Volunteer opportunities are another way to gain experience while still in school. It allows you to try your hand at different fields and industries, expand your network, build your skills, and just get general life experience as well. That way, you know... You know how to make a, a sandwich when you're hungry and things like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, back important to, things. Yeah, the, the many mission trips 
we've gone on and teaching kids on how to do um, basic yeah, things. High basic kids. life things yes. that they really had never experienced before because their parents yeah. did the things for them. That's right. Yeah. Basic survival skills like making sandwiches. Yes. yes. That don't feel like a jelly donut. Yeah. Because of the amount of jelly in the middle. <laughs> but those, those are fun things for you guys to think about, though. Remember. Yeah, fun memories. Although there are worse things than getting a jelly-filled sandwich. That's true. There's the getting like a two slices of thick bread with one piece of Getting meat. a bread sandwich. <laughs> oh, you guys are just like so ungrateful. Which is, I'm, I'm sure the listener from Context Clues has figured out that Sydney was stingy with the, with yes. the meat. This was at Disney with and the that, cheese. Like and one the cheese. time that we she was so young. made sandwiches and ate and them And it was like lunch. bread roll kind of so it was it was very thick they were kaiser rolls yeah kaiser rolls and i had ham and cheese and and i think like mustard so sydney was assigned to make the sandwich in my defense i hated sandwiches at that time so i i did not eat sandwiches okay but peanut butter and jelly so it was deli ham it was deli ham but see through one slice deli it was Thin sliced <laughs> deli yeah. ham. Yeah. So Sydney put a piece of thin sliced deli ham <laughs> <laughs> and a piece of cheese and then whatever condiment and boom, there was a sandwich. So hilarious. I'd say only time we've ever made sandwiches, but we've gone, I think we were going to Universal that time. Mm-hmm. But um, only time we've ever made sandwiches. Thank you, Sydney, for making that such a, such a, good <laughs> such memory. A, a funny memory. That, we never wanted to do it, it again. Is, it is a fun memory, though. It, it is. is funny. Yeah. It yeah. is. And I, you will be happy to learn that I have since made much better sandwiches. That's right. <laughs> After I received the feedback from all the complaints. <laughs> and the, the customers laughter. And the laughter. But yes, so definitely life skills as well. You can job shadow your dream career, which um, I think is very valuable, especially like if you are able to shadow. I know there are sometimes civic programs that organizations have for people to shadow. Like um, I think certain nursing programs have shadowing opportunities and things like that. I think you can also ask. Like I know for you, Sydney, I was able to line up some people within our organization before, I think you may have been in high school, late high school. I mean, Um, I think I was. Yeah, not me, you. Um, (laughs) late high school where you could talk to them about careers in mm-hmm. HR or organizational design. And mm-hmm. so you can come up with ways to get insider information, mm-hmm. right? To kind of get a better idea of what you might be in for. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to shadow. It can be like a, an interview for yeah. like an hour yeah. or so just, just to a get conversation, right? Exactly. Yeah, a lot of folks are willing to, mm-hmm. who are in professional fields, are willing to give advice to particularly like college or late high yeah. school students that are interested. Yep. Definitely. You can pursue personal projects, which would show employers you have the initiative to pursue your passions on your own time, whether you create your own blog or do photography on the side, leverage these on your resume. For some reason, as a synonym for like being proactive about doing your own projects, the word gall popped in my head, but I was like, that's not right. To show that you have the gall to do your own, <laughs> yeah. to do your own the projects, gumption, so the gumption. <laughs> Take on a leadership role on campus, serving as president, captain, or treasurer of an organization or club shows employers you have leadership abilities and demonstrates that you can take on additional responsibilities, handle multiple commitments at once, and be organized. Teach yourself a new skill. I think we all 
at least did this once during COVID. Yeah, that's right. It's a right. good big time to learn a new skill. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so definitely leverage that. Take advantage of career services. So if you need help actually building or creating your resume, any uh, career services that your college or high school may have would help with that. Uh, as well as some have opportunities where you can go and practice interviewing and the interviewers are people from different organizations in the community that come and volunteer to interview and get feedback. So that is a great way to practice interviewing. And I, and I didn't know this, but, well, I knew this part. My girlfriend is a librarian. Um, <laughs> That's good to hear and, that. Yeah, I know, I know that. <laughs> I know generally what she does. But she told me that they at the public library actually have, like, if you come in, they can have someone help you build your resume. Oh, that's awesome. So even if it's not like a campus-specific thing, mm-hmm. um, it might be worth researching libraries in your area because some right. of them have programs to help you build your resume. Yeah, And it might not be too in-depth, but if you haven't done it at all before, they can at least show you a template, generally how it works, and maybe give you some pointers. Yeah, and that's a great idea. So those are some tips. Let us know how it goes, and good luck to you <laughs> on your venture. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some great ideas to think about and how to address your resume for the uh, days and weeks and months to come. August, you may or may not realize, is National Happiness Happens Month. Does it? I know. That's a good question. We will have to find out. So I thought it was pretty interesting that a whole month was focused on happiness. So I thought maybe we could have a conversation about happiness and happiness related to the holidays and kind of what makes us happy about those holidays. But first, just some ideas about happiness. Well, Sydney's holding her puppy right now, so mm-hmm. I feel like that's a pretty example, good example of happiness. And I think that's She's like, making all of us happy. Right I was going to say, it's, we're all happy being able to look at her. Yep. So here's some questions for you, and this is for all of us to chime in on. Okay. So are happiness and fun the same thing, and can you be happy without fun? Yes. Uh, This is Beth. I'm going to chime in right now. I can be happy without necessarily doing something fun because happiness is also, to me, contentment. But is it fun if, like, let's say you're not doing anything. You're just watching, like, you're watching, say, uh, like, grandkids play or something like that. Okay. Is it fun for you to watch them play? It depends. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, but it's not me actively having fun it's more of a passive right but that wasn't the question it was our happiness what was the question our happiness and fun the same thing can you be happy without fun and that also depends though on the person's personal definition of fun and happy so that's mom's personal definition of happy and fun and i can't yeah even though like i can just be sitting with dad like outside and be really happy but that's not doing anything yeah Right. But am I having fun is what your question would be. Right. But I'm, I'm happy. I don't know. Good question. So I think in my mind, happiness is like an overall mood and fun is like a moment. Good so like I think if I'm it. just sitting, like if my girlfriend and I are just sitting together, well, I guess we're not like having fun because fun does have more of a more of an active right. definition. Yeah. But and I've always heard... That joy is the long term, mm-hmm. happiness is the short. Happiness is more fleeting, 
and based on situations. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like the way we're talking about it. Happiness is the overarching big thing, and fun is more momentary or the yeah. action based. Or or the action based, right? Yeah. You, you can be happy while you're having fun. So I think this is this is how my my brain is interpreting it. So happiness is like what you feel is the mood. But to have happiness, you have to be able to have like fun moments to contribute to that happiness. I don't think I personally can have happiness without having... What do you think, Autumn? If you could hear her meowing in the background. Meow? Yeah, well, she would like her dinner, and I haven't given it to her yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She doesn't realize no well sitting here. I know. Wow. She's got a, wow, she's got more to say about it than we do. Mm. It's because she doesn't have her dinner. <laughs> yep. Um, she's not that would ha- make her happy. She is not having happiness or fun right now because she wants... For the uh, the listener's value, I suppose, uh, she has food. She just wants her special food. Right. Yes. Yeah. She always yeah. has food to graze on. But I give her special food, so that's what yes. she wants. So another question. Is it possible to pursue happiness? And how do you go catch happiness? I think that it's possible to pursue happiness. What I think it means is that you have to be proactive about doing things that you know you'll enjoy. And those could be things that aren't necessarily easy, but, like, let's say you want to go out and do... (laughs) Okay, for instance, Autumn is pursuing joy. (laughs) She's pursuing her happiness. She is pursuing happiness. Okay, she's going away. Okay, go ahead, Cole. Is she? Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the meow to come (laughs) and, like, interrupt me in the middle of a thought. There it is. Um, but I think, you know, let's say that you, if you are just sitting around, I don't think you're pursuing happiness. Yeah, I think active. I think that everyone has something, has things that make them happy, and those sometimes require effort. So I think that to pursue happiness, you need to put in the effort to do what makes you happy. And maybe sitting around just makes you happy, but that can't be the only thing that makes you happy. Right. So, what do you think, Dad? So, I think it's definitely possible to pursue happiness, and I think people do. The question is, what is that happiness that they're trying to pursue? And is it something that will bring them long-term joy or short-term joy? You know, are they pursuing the right things in life to maintain a happy lifestyle? It makes me think of um, choices, right? Right. So... Your choices are going to impact your life, long-term and short-term. And I like the word lifestyle that you used because to live a happy lifestyle, you can't live an apathetic life. You can't live a a life of not doing things and live a happy lifestyle because I think lifestyle implies being intentional about doing things. Mm -hmm. Because you can have happiness that comes to you through sad or painful experiences. Like, mm-hmm. you can have happiness through sadness, right? You agree? I think so. I think that you can, um, like, through... I would, I'm not sure if sadness is the word I would use. More like melancholy. I always heard that joy gets you through sadness or, like, the storms of life rather than happiness. Yeah. Happiness is fleeting and joy is... It's the long term. Mm-hmm. Now, you can have, I think, longer term happiness. Right. But again, it depends on what you're pursuing or what you're valuing. 
right? Mm -hmm. And putting um, value on different things. So I thought, you know, it's interesting to think about happiness. And there was actually some questions about happiness that you know, I thought I'd share with you guys and with the listener. For instance, and they've done studies on happiness over lots of years, but what would you say psychologists consider the single most reliable indicator of happiness? Money, children, marriage, religion, leisure time. Which of those five things do you think? I'm going to say leisure time. I would say marriage. The single most reliable indicator of happiness. Money, children, marriage, religion, leisure time. Children. It's actually marriage. So even though the divorce rate is high, marriage is still the best gauge of happiness, which I thought was interesting. Interesting, yeah. It yeah. is. So according to the Pew Global Project, who's happier, men or women? Men. Women. Oh, that's funny. Sydney men. said men. I said women. Men. Women show greater overall happiness. Especially in Japan, Pakistan, and Argentina. Who becomes happier as they age, men or women? Yeah, that's probably switched now. It's probably men get happier as they get older because women are fighting I, I think so, age. Yeah. It is. It's, it's uh, men are, get happier as they get older, which is also interesting. Do you think it's because of men have a tendency towards self-acceptance as they get older? I think maybe more, less of a drive towards... Staying having to young. provide. Right. You know, I think having to provide, having the pressure of, of family life and all those kind of things and, and kind of getting more self-reflective on where the importance of life is, mm -hmm. which is not on the pursuit of money right. and wealth and things like that. Because typically, at least in the U.S., when you're a young man, that's the time that you need to get your career set and you need to start setting everything up. Now there is a, a cultural shift now so it'll be interesting to see what those results are like in 20 years, 10, even 10 years. So a little bit of fact kind of things when it comes to happiness. So according to a recent study, what's the happiest country in the world? Costa Rica, Australia, South Africa, Norway, Switzerland, Latvia, Denmark. Norway. Costa Rica, Australia, South Africa, Norway, Switzerland, Latvia, Denmark. Switzerland. I'm going to say Australia, although that should not be it. It's Denmark. And of course, it varies from year to year, but the, you know, yeah. when this was taken. I think about, those Nordic countries yes. tend to be some of the Norway, Sweden, and mm -hmm. Denmark tend to be very, very high on the happiest countries in the world list. According to a recent poll by Gallup, which is the happiest state in the, in the country in the U.S.? Oklahoma, Virginia, Hawaii, Ohio, Wyoming, California, Alaska, Utah, Florida. I don't know why they list Good so many. Grief. There's, there's yeah. so many Of there. the 50. Which, which is the happiest state, do you think? Wait, do they list all of them then? No, they have, they have like 10 of them there. Uh, Nine or 10 of them. Is Colorado you... one of them? No. Oklahoma, Virginia, Hawaii, Ohio, Wyoming, California, Alaska, Utah, Florida. Hawaii. Utah. I was going to say Mississippi, but... Um... <laughs> it's not on the list, so... I have a feeling it's one of the lower populated states because I feel like it's a higher populated state than the like need for Florida. competition drives more, I guess, discontent. Florida. It is Hawaii, which it should be. <laughs> Hawaii it is a beautiful be. state. Yes. So last thing of interest of these facts. What was the only state on the East Coast listed in the top 10 of well-being? Virginia. R Rhode Island, Georgia. New Hampshire, South Carolina, Vermont, New Jersey. Oh, Virginia so was wasn't in there. Mm. New so Hampshire. Vermont. 
Dang it, I was going to say Vermont, too. Well, you what could say, Vermont, you could say too. Vermont, too. Okay, fine. Yep, Vermont was the sole representative of the East. The That's rest fine. were in the Midwest and the West. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting. So, you know, one of the things that I know that I've dealt with over the year is having high expectations for holidays. I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with that over the years. Uh, dealt with you? Yes. No, no, no. no. <laughs> your, your personal feeling about... You know, the holidays and what you expect out of them. Well, right. I mean, other people's personal feelings sometimes eke into your own because of True. how big a deal they make it. True. And I think of Charlie Brown in the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, the 1965 animated TV special. I'm sure lots of you have seen that before by Charles Schultz. Well, Charlie Brown in the beginning, uh, Charlie Brown, and this is a you know animated younger kids walking along the street. Charlie Brown and Linus, two of the main characters, stop at a wall on their trip to the pond for ice skating. And Charlie Brown says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. And they begin walking again. And Charlie Brown says, I just don't understand Christmas. I guess I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. And Linus says back to him, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yes. So in the holidays, I think that it's it can be easy for certain holidays to be overwhelming or to have expectations that can't be met along the way, right? So I think, and you know, Charlie Brown talks about not being happy. And I think it's easy to have all the trappings of a fun holiday, especially bigger holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, even Easter in the United States, where there's a lot going on. And you can do a lot of things, but at the end, in fact, I know people who say, I can't wait till the holidays are over. I know, it's so sad. It is, it is sad. And so what are some helpful thoughts about how you address that? It's interesting because my entire outlook on happiness as a person changed a few years ago, probably more than a few. But I remember when, uh, do you guys remember the film Christopher Robin? Yeah, the live um, action The film. live action film Christopher Robin. I remember I was watching it in theaters. And if, if you aren't familiar, Christopher Robin is older. And he runs into Winnie the Pooh, his childhood stuffed animal, in the real world. And, you know, there's a story attached to it, but that's not important for the, the course of, you know, what I'm explaining here. But I remember they were at a train station, and Pooh, the bear, really wanted a balloon. A red balloon. A red balloon. And Christopher Robin said, we don't have time, but Pooh said, I would really like it. So I may not be remembering entirely correctly here, but I remember that afterwards, Pooh eventually lost the balloon, and he was sad. And he said, and Christopher Robin said, well, it doesn't really matter. It was just a balloon. And Pooh said... It didn't really matter. It wasn't much, but it made me happy. So I remember that that struck me as a person because it was not important. It was not expensive. And Pooh acknowledged that it was not important or like a big thing, but he just let it make him happy. So that struck me as a person that you can really let a thing like or an experience or just being somewhere make you happy if you stop and appreciate it. So if I'm putting decorations up, I can stop in front of a single decoration 
and be like, let me let me look at this, let me enjoy this, let me stop yep. in this moment and let this thing make me yes. happy. Yeah. Right. Because I think a lot of times you get overwhelmed with the holidays in letting, because you're like, I need to put all my decorations up. And, and it seems know, like a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff I gotta do. There's a lot of things that you have to do. Yeah. So, you know, just stopping and letting something make you happy because I don't even think you have to be happy by the whole experience. You could just let something simple mm-hmm. make you happy. Yeah. It's cliche for me to say this, but that makes me think of the little saying to enjoy the journey or, you know, it's about the process, not the, the end product. Right. And those things, enjoying when you're doing things like mm-hmm. decorations or whatever, that can be a big part of the experience. Not just the parties or the gifts or whatever. There can be a lot of things that make you happy along the right. way. And let what makes you happy make you happy. Don't, because I, another thing is I feel like a lot of people will f- try to force themselves to be happy. And like if you're putting up lights and it's annoying and you're like, this is happy, this is happy. If that's not happy for you, if you know that the end experience, you don't have to. You don't have to be happy. You don't yeah. have to be happy while you're doing that. Yeah. You can be like, I was putting up lights this past Christmas season, and I was very disgruntled while I was putting up <laughs> lights um, because it was a very annoying process. So I didn't try to, like, grind my teeth and smile yeah. about it. I just decided, okay, I'm going to be a little annoyed now, and then I'll enjoy it afterwards. Yeah. You know, trying not to fake your way into or out of situations. Yeah, and we talk a lot about holidays, and, of course, we love holidays, but all of us have gotten overwhelmed with different parts or disgruntled with different parts, right? And I think the key is, for me, the same thing that Cole was talking about, which is to enjoy the, the small moments within the big moments, whether that's when I'm putting a decoration out that somebody gave me or that I really enjoy, or um, being with friends and enjoying something that's a tradition, uh, going to a movie or watching one on TV that's um, something that is associated with the holiday, holiday music you know there's lots of potential ways cooking food the events in the community whatever it may be i agree that it's important not to overwhelm yourself with things to do but even in the midst of busyness i think taking the moments to find happiness and ways to appreciate things is really important in order to not be overwhelmed and have too high of expectations necessarily of the holidays And I think it's good to think about the holidays as having an end so that you think about when the holiday is over, right? Because it will be over. At some point, I'm going to go back to normal life. And whether that's better for you or worse for you, you're going to go there at some point on the other side. So what does that mean you want to have felt and been through the holiday? And I I think for me, one of the things that, and I'm guessing different people will be able to relate to this too, is not feeling compelled to do everything. Yeah. It's okay to... Scale yourself. Yeah. scale down. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's hard to figure out sometimes, but it's valuable. Because all of it's good, but all of it could be too much and become not good. Right. 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 So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we, we love the holidays and we hope that you have a very happy... August, because August is Happiness Happens Month. 
Yes, coincidence that it's beginning of Halloween season, I think. <laughs> well, it's a good time to think about these things coming into the busy holiday True. season, mm-hmm. right? Because soon it'll be Halloween, fall, and even when just fall begins, festivals begin. I mean, there's a lot of activity that kind of pops up around that time of year, including Halloween. Yes, yes. yeah, I'm very focused. Yeah, very focused. <laughs> also got a like, big smile on my face over here as we're yes. talking about Halloween. So our future festivities are for the week of August 9th. August 9th is National Book Lovers Day. August 10th is National S'mores Day. August 11th is National Sons and Daughters Day. August 12th is National Middle Child Day. August 13th, International Left-Handers Day. You know what August 13th is also? Friday? Friday the 13th. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Thanks for sharing. August 14th, National Creamsicle Day. And August 15th to Beth's series, World Honeybee Day on August 15th. You can always follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons, all one word. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And you can email us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Cole, Beth, Sydney, and Randy... Happy Happiness Month! It might seem crazy what I'm about to say Sunshine, she's here, you can take a break I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space With the air, like I don't care, baby, by the way
happiness 